Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast. We're back for our Monday episode for week five, Thanksgiving week. Uh, excited for the weekend, as I'm sure most people out there are, or a lot of people at the very least. Um, exciting stuff. You know, I get, I'm sure a lot of people as well get time off work, or, you know, hopefully you get some time off work, uh, get Thanksgiving and the day after off. So that's going to be enjoyable. Um, real quick before we get started, uh, I'm your host, Carson. Welcome to the show. Uh, whether you've been listening previously or you're brand new to the podcast, either way, uh, regardless of how much or how little you've tuned in, we really appreciate your support on the show and thank you for tuning in uh, to this very episode. Um, speaking of Thanksgiving, I just wanted to touch on something I was thinking about this weekend as far as scheduling for the podcast. I think it's an update. Um, I was forgetting about the fact that, oh, we have a, a Friday episode. That's the day after Thanksgiving. We you know, could maybe make that work, but um, you know, I'm I'm sure most people out there, you're going to be spending time uh, with family and I'm going to be in that same boat um, with my schedule. It's a, it's a weekend of relaxing, but it's also somewhat hectic in the sense of, of traveling, you know, to and from places and uh, wanting to get some things kind of done during the weekend, uh, you know, t- with, so with some of that time off. So essentially we're not going to do a Friday episode. That's what it boils down to kind of a long winded way to get to that, but we're, we're not going to plan on a Friday episode. Um, we'll just have today's episode and then Wednesday's episode um on wednesday and and of course we also don't have wyatt tonight but that was just a, a similar thing for him you know the, the busyness of the uh, thanksgiving week but he said that he's good to go for wednesday so we're going to shift him over to wednesday and uh with wednesday's show think of it um kind of as a combo of the the monday and wednesday segments some of the the big hitters there and that means this show is going to be somewhat abbreviated um especially with not as much in the in the news category we have plenty of games to talk about but um yeah we'll do monday we'll do wednesday we won't do a friday episode but uh once we come back the following week uh i think we're going to start adding some bonus episodes because uh we had the similar thing last season where there's 25 weeks in the nba season and there's 30 teams and we do a franchise focus for every franchise so obviously we're going to need to add in some bonus episodes so that was already on the uh on the radar, but we might do some other kind of bonus episodes. Of course, with the in-season tournament getting close to being wrapped up, we might do a bonus episode to break down the uh, the group play action once it's uh, fully finished and then look at what the, the tournament bracket looks like. I think that could be a fun one. Um, so just be aware, we're, you know, we're missing a, a Friday episode, but in the next uh, few weeks, I, I think we're going to try and fit in some bonus episodes, some franchise focus, um, and especially with the in-season tournament, the tournament itself kicking off fairly soon. I think that's going to be uh, an, a, a great time to do a little bit more with the podcast. But uh, that being said, let's go ahead and waste no more time. Let's jump right into the meat and potatoes of the show, uh, at least the the early exciting portion uh, the whole show is exciting, but the beginning of the show, and that is our our five on five drill combined with uh, our key news from this last weekend of action. Okay, so yes, the five-on-five drill and the six men as well. Essentially, if you're not familiar with this, instead of recapping every single week, uh, every single game from the weekend, we pick five 
key games to focus on and go in more depth with the the box scores and things of that nature. Um, and then our sixth men, quote unquote, sixth men are the the other notes from the other games. But we'll also just run through quick final scores uh, so you have a, a pretty good picture of what happened during the weekend. And it used to be a Monday specific thing, but now it's every day we're doing this uh, instead of just a general game summaries. It's the five on five drill. So uh, with that, we're going to go ahead and start with uh, Friday. Friday being uh, the the third or fourth night of, of in-season tournament action uh, or group play action. And so we had uh, a slew of very important games to talk about, and we're going to pick three um, with an asterisk. We'll get to that in a moment. But um, we're going to start with the, uh, the San, Antonio, San Antonio Spurs hosting the Sacramento Kings. And the Kings coming out on top in this one, 129 to 120, your final score in San Antonio as the Spurs fall to 0-3 in in in-season tournament play. Meanwhile, the Kings, with the return of De'Aaron Fox, looked better than ever. They've been especially hot lately, and we'll also talk about them as a team a little more in detail with our power rankings. But fairly back and forth affair, seven lead changes, both teams leading by at least 16 points at various points in the game, but uh, the Kings able to come out on top in this one at the end of it. Um, And pretty close in most statistical categories, although the Kings were just a much better shooting team overall, uh, especially from the floor as a whole. And that really can just kind of be the difference maker. Um, Looking at box scores for the Spurs, they had four players in double figures led by Zach Collins' 28 points, eight boards, five assists, and three steals with a block as well, three of five from three-point range. Wembenyama, 27 points and nine boards, uh, and 12 of 26 from the floor, two of eight from three. Bit of a rough shooting night. You wonder if maybe shot a little bit more efficiently uh, or was able to find a guy in maybe a better position, better shot, What you know. He's a rookie. You can't fault him too much, but a close game. Sometimes that can make the difference. And then Kelvin Johnson, 21 points, nine boards, seven assists, five of nine from three point range for him. Then off the bench, they also got 10 points from Malachi Branham. Otherwise um, those three guys, and then a little bit of of Branham, uh, a few points from Champagne or Champagne and, and Sohan as well. Uh, Not a lot for the Spurs, Sort of similar, honestly, for the Kings. They had three guys in, uh, you know, leading the charge for them, but their three guys were just a touch better overall. Especially this guy, De'Aaron Fox, forty-three points, eight rebounds, seven assists, with a steal and a block as well. Five of eleven from three-point range, shot nearly sixty percent from the floor, and uh, was clearly clearly the MVP of this game. We'll talk about his contention for weekly MVP later on in the show. Uh, Demonis Sabonis had 27 points, 14 rebounds, and seven assists, uh, two of three from three-point range as well. Like to see him knocking down the outside shot, adds a little bit of a little more dimension to their offense. And then off the bench, Malik Monk, 20 points, eight assists, and four rebounds. Um, And I kind of like the sense, the, the thing of, you know, with Fox out, Monk was getting a lot of starting minutes and kind of playing that point guard type role. I think that you know, just strengthens his abilities off the bench and strengthens their, their bench just a touch, you know, a little more confidence with him to, to be a pseudo point guard. And, you know, you see it with him in the big minutes they expect of him as a six man off the bench with eight assists and 20 points. I mean, if he can do that kind of thing consistently off the bench, we know he's a great scorer, but if he can make the plays for that second unit and they've added Vasenkov and, and, you know, they've, they've added depth in a lot of ways, you know, 
they look very good. And again, we'll talk about them as a team a little more in depth, uh, but for now, great win for the Kings. They've been very hot uh, it, as of late. And with that, let's go ahead and uh, actually real quick. Well, no, we'll save that for power rankings. Uh, flying by the seat of our pants a little bit here, but let's move on to uh, our second game. First of all, that King Spurs game, that was West Group C action. Uh, this next game, uh, the Pelicans, the New Orleans Pelicans hosting the Denver Nuggets and winning at home 115 to 110. This was West Group B action and a, a kind of an upset win. And it puts the both of those teams in a very interesting position in that group uh, when we look at the, the standings in just a moment. But uh, the Pelicans led for the whole game. The Nuggets actually never led in this game, which is pretty surprising overall. Um even though they had some some great stat lines. Of course, Jokic was stellar, 26 points, 18 assists, and 16 rebounds, which uh, from what I've seen is apparently a stat line no one's ever put up in NBA history, or at the very least it hasn't been done in a long time. Uh, so pretty remarkable stuff. One of eight from three-point range, that's a little rough, but a steal and a block as well. I mean, you really can't fault Jokic here. Fault Jokic here. Christian Brown had 25 points and nine boards off the bench. He was three of five from three-point range. So those two guys were really killing it. And they got a solid game for Michael Porter Jr. as well, 18 points, 11 rebounds, 14 each for both Aaron Gordon and Reggie Jackson. You know, there's not too much to complain about. Even KCP, eight eight points, eight assists, two blocks, two of four from three. Um, Outside of Brown, there really wasn't much off the bench, and that's maybe a concern at this point for for Denver. But then you look at the Pelicans, just a touch more well-spread out. They had five guys in double figures, led by Zion Williamson's 26 points with six assists and four boards, two blocks as well. Uh, They got 22 from Jonas Valanciunas with eight boards, 21 points and eight assists from Brandon Ingram, 12 points off the bench from Najee Marshall, and 10 points from Dyson Daniels. He also had eight boards, seven assists, and three steals. He's really emerged in a big way over the last week or two uh, as he's starting in uh, relief of both CJ McCollum and Jose Alvarado, uh, Grand Theft Alvarado. So exciting stuff for them to, to get that win. Again, we'll take a look at the standings in just a moment, but a big win for the Pelicans debuting their in-season tournament court, the uh, the purple with the green not sure how I feel about it, but uh, a nice win for them nonetheless. Or they might have actually debuted it. I think they debuted it against Dallas, so I misspoke there. But the court itself still an interesting one to look at. But I'll I'll leave it at that. Let's move on to another West Group B game. We're going to talk the L.A. Clippers winning a game uh, despite the the doubts of Kendrick Perkins and myself. To be quite honest. Um, the Clippers win this one thanks to a huge clutch shot from James Harden in Los Angeles against his the team he's kind of most tied to, the Houston Rockets. 106-100, your final score in favor of the Clippers in this one. Four-point play by Harden at the end helped uh, seal the deal. 15 lead changes overall, back-and-forth game, but both teams also had substantial leads. So it was a very exciting affair. Um you know, a good mix of a bit of everything, uh, offense and defense, uh, leads, close games, lead changes, not much more you could ask for there, really. Uh, for the Rockets, they had four players in double figures led by Alperen Shangoon's 23 points, eight boards, four assists. 
Uh, they got 20 points from Jalen Green with five assists. They got 19 points, 10 assists, eight boards for Fred Van Vliet, who also was five of nine from three-point range. And then they got 12 points off the bench from Terry Eason. Not bad overall, but then you look at the Clippers. Uh, they were led by Kawhi Leonard's 26 points with eight boards, five steals, and a block. Uh, Paul George had 23 points, eight boards, three assists, two steals and a block as well. And then James Harden, his best game as a Clipper, 24 points, nine boards, seven assists, um, 72% from the floor off the bench. Uh, Norman Powell with 10 points. And then Ibiza Zubat starting 12 points, seven boards, two blocks as well. Westbrook coming off the bench in this game, tough shooting night overall. Uh, it was actually him that kind of volunteered to do that. And I think we might've touched on that on Friday's episode, but um they got the win this time around. Maybe that will be the whatever it takes to to help kind of shift the the flow of of this team and and them being able to string wins together. We'll have to see if that's uh, the case or if this was you know more correlation or causation. Um, we'll have to see what happens. But again, clutch play from Harden at the end, uh, shot clock winding down, able to get them the win there in uh, Los Angeles. So big win for the Clippers there. That's the last of our our three Friday games. Let's jump to Saturday. We're going to talk an overtime affair between the uh, home team, Golden State Warriors and the visiting Oklahoma City Thunder. And it was the Thunder coming out on top with a a big win, 130 to 123, or final score for the Thunder in this game. Um, And it was Another back and forth affair, 17 lead changes. The Warriors looked like they'd run away with it in the third, as is often the case. We know how deadly they can be in that third quarter uh, with that offense and in that arena, especially in San Francisco. But uh, the Thunder made a run at the end. Uh, Then final seconds, it looks like Wiggins hits a three to to win the game, to put the Warriors up by three with just a, you know, a handful of seconds left. The Thunder call timeout on their next possession. They inbound to Chet Holmgren, the rookie, uh, the, the year displaced rookie gets the, the inbound on the sideline uh, three. He gets both feet in perfect position. He's fading his tall frame fading even further than the normal person's. And he laces it from three-point range in a clutch shot to force overtime. And the Thunder come out in the overtime period to win the game. Despite the Warriors out-rebounding and out-assisting the Thunder, the Thunder were a little bit better defensively. And uh, they shot better overall from the floor, even if they weren't as good from three-point range. So uh, a huge win for the Thunder. Again, they're a team to definitely talk about with their power rankings. Looking at the box scores first for the Warriors, They were led by Andrew Wiggins, 31 points and three assists, five of eight from three. They got 25 points from uh, Steph Curry, seven boards, three assists. He was five of 11 from three-point range, despite a 38% night from the floor overall. Uh, 16 points from Klay Thompson with four assists. They got 12 points, 11 assists from Chris Paul starting in this game. And then uh, 13 points off the bench from Jonathan Kaminga. Uh, 15 boards, or sorry, not 15 boards, five boards, two assists, a steal, and a block. Um, yeah, Paul, back in the starting lineup as the Warriors have been losing some games and they're trying to, to you know, retool the lineup. They're trying to figure out what's going to work best, although no Draymond. So you figure if Draymond 
was there. Maybe, you know, Paul would be in the, on the bench. Clay's back at the shooting guard uh, could be a factor as well. But uh, looking at things for the Thunder, Shea Gilchrist Alexander, even though he wasn't the, the hero of the game, he was kind of the, the leader, but it was him and Holmgren. You know, they were the, the two, the dynamic duo in this game. 40 points for SGA with seven boards, six assists, two steals, two blocks. Uh, he was 62% from the floor on 29 attempts, and he has two of his three three-point attempts. Monster game overall, and much of the same for Holmgren. 36 points, 10 boards, five assists, two steals, and two blocks. Um, 63% from the floor, two of five from three-point range. Monster game from both those guys. Jalen Williams, that's L-E-N Williams, or, or Santa Clara Jalen Williams, adds 22 points, six boards, and three assists of his own. They got 11 from Josh Giddy with five boards, two blocks, and a steal, and then 10 points off the bench from Isaiah Joe. The, this Thunder team is starting to really come into its own. They're very exciting. And again, Holmgren in particular, the clutch shot, he joined, I believe it was, he was the first rookie in the combined Supersonics Thunder franchise history. Again, some people cringe, but that's just the way the, the history books are written at the moment. The combined franchise history there, first rookie or maybe the only other rookie to do it uh, since Kevin Durant. So that's some pretty elite company to be in and a great win for the Thunder in that one. Again, we'll talk about them, a team on the rise in our power rankings. But before that, I want to jump to Sunday, but I'm technically also talking about Friday because I wanted to talk about, and especially for me as a Jazz fan, these back-to-back games, first of them on Friday, an in-season tournament game. But regardless, these back-to-back games that the Utah Jazz hosted the Phoenix Suns and it was down to the wire and the jazz lost both of them. I watched the ends of both of them. Um, very disheartening, especially with, you know, a lot of things to like from the jazz. They're punching up as as much as they can to a team in the suns that's injured and has been punching down a lot of times, but um, they just couldn't get it done. You know, and the, the jazz let's talk about the first game, the Friday game, uh, the in-season tournament game started off, you know, Phoenix led big in most of the first half, but the, the Jazz actually took a lead going into halftime. Uh, they led briefly in the third, the Suns took it back, and then it was it was a close game. You know, it was, I want to say, like a one or two point game uh, down to the wire. Let's actually pull that up and make sure I get the, the score correct here if I can. Um, one, it was, uh, yeah, Durant clutch shot. So the jazz were only down one with about 40 seconds left. The Suns bring it up. They've got the ball. Of course, they're going to run the clock down as much as they can. And then they get the ball to Durant. He was hot all night and he's guarded by Ochai Baji. And I like Ochai, not the greatest matchup for the jazz, but then again, is there really anyone on the jazz that can match up great with Durant or anyone on any team? Because when he's on, you know, he's pretty close to unguardable and he drills a a clutch three pointer to put him up by four. Uh, There's some late game, you know, jostling there's fouls. And uh, ultimately the Suns hold on for the victory uh, in that game. But uh, you know, for, for Utah, I want to just look at their scores a little bit. Jordan Clarkson, 37 points with five assists, great percentages on the game. He was stellar on that whole game. Larry Markin, 21 points, 
uh, fairly solid, even though he was one of four from three. And then they got 15 points, 14 rebounds, two blocks from John Collins starting at center, uh, 15 points and six assists with a steal from the rookie Keontae George, who's getting starting minutes lately at point guard. I like to see that a lot. Uh, some decent scoring off the bench from Olenek, Sexton, Horton Tucker, and there was some great defensive plays to be excited about from the Jazz. Lowry Markinen with a, a forceful rejection at the rim of, uh, I want to say, Booker, um, potentially. I know that the Taylor Horton Tucker block in the second half was on was on Booker, I'm pretty sure. Some some stout defense from the Jazz in those moments. I mean, they totaled 10 blocks as a team compared to Phoenix's four. But Phoenix, again, Kevin Durant, 38 points, nine boards, nine assists. Hard to really overcome that. Six of eight from three-point range. Alongside him, Booker, 24 points and 15 assists. And then uh, 15 from Yusuf Nurkic with seven boards, 14 points for Eric Gordon, 11 points from Drew Eubanks. You know, Durant and Booker without Beal. Durant and Booker doing a great job and then enough points from the rest of the guys to kind of escape with the win. And then, Hey, we're back on Sunday night and it seems like the same script, except this time it went into double overtime. So we got even more uh, of a game here. Suns leading early jazz, make a run late. They end up tying the game to force overtime. The Suns get the early advantage in overtime, but then the Jazz manage to tie it again for second double overtime, uh, but then they can't respond again. Um, actually, to force the first overtime, it was a uh, a poor shot, honestly, by Jordan Clarkson and Lowry Markinen crashing the boards, which is what the Jazz have kind of emphasized so far this season. He cutting in to, to get to the glass just in the perfect spot at the perfect time, grabs a, an air ball three and lays it in to, to help tie the game. They go to overtime. And then at the end of that first overtime, uh, Colin Sexton drives and, and banks it in to, uh, or no, he gets the tip. It was a, it was a Keontae George drive off the glass. Sexton able to get the tip to force double overtime. And then in the second overtime, the, uh, the Suns just got the, uh, you know, more of the plays down the stretch. Um, there was some play that happened that, oh, it was Jazz are down three. They have a chance to to tie it and force a triple overtime. I This is like the key, the gate play of the game, but I couldn't remember it because I'm almost blocking it out of my memory. They get it to Markinen in the corner. He He shoots a tough fading three. Durant is right there on him. In the moment, of course, us as jazz fans, me and uh, I was watching it with my my girlfriend and her family. But, you know, we're saying that it's uh, a foul on Durant that marketing is going to get three. And that was what the call was on the floor at the time. However, they do review. It's a, a Phoenix Suns challenge. Actually, they review it um, and the call gets overturned. You know, they decide that Durant hits ball first. Um, and therefore not a foul. The, the game is over at that point. The, of course, Delta center crowd is livid. Um, I was pretty frustrated and I think it was probably a pretty solid call. You know, I don't want to try and deny that. Of course, I'm going to be in the, uh, the favor or I'm going to favor the option of, if it being a foul, but you know, I had been spacing on that, you know, you get the ball first, 
doesn't matter after that as far as contact goes for the most part. But um, it still leaves a bad taste in your mouth, you know, whether it's a correct call or not for it to end that way. It just feels odd. I was, I think I said to someone there, I would almost rather lose by 10 or 15 points than, than lose a close game by, you know, a possession or so with a question on, was it a foul? Was it not a foul? So it was a wild series of events. And again, a wild two game slate back to back games for Phoenix in Utah. Um, and they come up with the win in both. So you got to give them credit. They they made the right plays. Looking at Utah's box score here, Markinen with the better game in this one, 38 points, 17 rebounds, two steals, two blocks. Um, they got 22 points from Jordan Clarkson, who really struggled from the floor overall. Seven boards, five assists. Again, he was forcing a lot of shots late. It was kind of frustrating, but sometimes you kind of have to live with that because he can be so electric offensively. Seems like, you know, at least half the time it's going to really work out for you. Off the bench, Taylor Horton Tucker actually with 25 points, four boards, three assists, and two steals. Uh, four of 10 from three-point range, which is good to see that from him, a guy that's not usually a great three-point shooter. Uh, 15 points, 12 boards for John Collins. Uh, Sexton actually uh, 18 points and five boards and then County George only seven points, but 11 assists, five boards and a steal. He was 05 from three, two of 12 from the floor. But again, that's just, you know, him getting shots up. His shooting form is great. He's confident when he shoots, if he can just keep taking shots, he's going to start improving those percentages and he, he keeps working at it. I'm just excited to see what he can continue to do this season. If they get Walker Kessler back and they can kind of retool the lineup with Keontae potentially starting, uh, who knows? But uh, we'll, we'll talk a little more in depth about the Jazz as a team uh, in just a moment. But those are the, the games I wanted to focus, uh, focus on, kind of, again, cheating a little bit with uh, – you know, two, two of the Suns jazz games, but let's run through real quick. The other notes from the other games this weekend First say on Friday uh, for Friday's games, the New York Knicks won in Washington against wizards, one twenty to 99. So big win in East group B another East B game uh, was the Milwaukee bucks winning in Charlotte against the Hornets, one thirty to 99 um, in East group C the Boston Celtics won in Toronto against the Raptors, one Oh eight to one Oh five close game there. Uh, in East Group A, the Cleveland Cavaliers won at home against the Detroit Pistons, 108 to 100. Um, and Max Struess had a pretty nasty dunk in that game in particular. I definitely recommend checking out that highlight. Uh, in East Group A, the Philadelphia 76ers won in Atlanta against the Hawks, 126 to 116, your final score there. Uh, in uh in Chicago, the Bulls lost to the visiting Orlando Magic. That's East Group C, 103 to 97, your final score there. And then finally, uh, the Los Angeles Lakers winning in Portland against the Trailblazers, 107 to 95, your final score. That's West Group A, the same group as the Utah Jazz. And uh, let's real quick before we talk Saturday and Sunday's games, a quick look at the in season tournament and the bracket there, uh, the standings rather. That was a huge uh, loss for the Jazz. They were tied, but going into it, going into that night with the Lakers for the lead in West Group A, and they were not far behind in point differential. Now the Lakers with a 3-0 lead and the Jazz uh, 2-1, their record, so they're a game behind. Uh, They still have a solid point differential of plus 19. 
But the final game for both those teams is against each other. The Lakers will play the Jazz on Tuesday, tomorrow, and that is going to determine the winner of Group A and the other team. Uh, well, it most likely is going to be the Lakers because even if the Jazz won the point differential, they'd have to win by, you know, 23 or more, something to that effect uh, to to have the better point differential. It's it's possible. It's not, you know, you're going up against LeBron James and, and Anthony Davis, so it's not highly likely, but uh, it'll be an exciting game to watch for. So we've already got some some exciting storylines about who can make the tournament and then what the team that's now the wild card after that result is going to be watching with intrigue at the other West groups. Um, speaking of the, uh, the Suns in that same West group, a, they're going to be watching intently as well. Cause they're, they're one and one at the moment. And then if they can beat Portland and Memphis, which you would think they should stand a good chance of being able to do that, then suddenly they're right in the mix with the jazz and the Lakers. So a, a very exciting West group a, to say the very least, uh, how about East group B bucks and heat are both two and zero at this point game three for the bucks is against the wizards. The heat are playing the Knicks and then their game fours are against each other as well. Game four for both the bucks and the heat is against each other. If they're three and zero at the time they go into that game, that's going to be a, uh, a barn burner to say the least. So that's one to watch out for. And then how about the Denver Nuggets? We mentioned the Pelicans winning that one. So now the Nuggets and Pelicans are tied and the Pelicans have a 23 plus point differential compared to the Nuggets nine. And that is concerning. The Nuggets play the Houston Rockets who have shown some, uh, some moxie this season versus uh, whereas the Pelicans play the Clippers. They just got their most, they got a win after a, a losing streak. So neither of those games should be ultra easy but if the Pelicans can win that game and the Nuggets struggle, then the Pelicans suddenly take that group. And now the Nuggets need to make sure that they can clinch a um, a wild card spot in a, a West group that's got, you know, the Jazz and the Suns that are up in that mix and uh, the Timberwolves and Kings, uh, you know, what, which one of those teams becomes the uh, the wild card. So a lot of exciting stuff, especially in the West. Um as kind of parallels the the playoffs a little bit, but definitely something to watch out for uh, overall. But uh, let's jump back to the game summaries real quick, or the uh, the sixth men rather. Uh, going to Saturday's games, the uh, New York Knicks won in Charlotte against the Hornets, one twenty two to one hundred eight. Your final score there. Close game in New Orleans. Uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves winning in New Orleans against the Pelicans, one twenty one to one twenty. Your final score one point margin of victory. And it was thanks to a Carl Anthony Towns uh, runner down the lane, a floater that they were able to win that game. So a clutch shot from him. Uh, next, the Memphis Grizzlies won in San Antonio against the Spurs, 120 to 108, your final score, despite Victor Wembanyama's eight blocks in the game, which were the third, uh, that was the third time a teenager had logged eight blocks in a game. The other two times, Darius Miles and Josh Smith, very intriguing company to to be in. And he also happened to be the fourth spur in franchise history with 15 points, 10 boards, and eight uh, eight blocks in a game, joining uh, David Robinson, Tim Duncan, and Artis Gilmore. So the usual suspects there, uh, definitely elite company to be in. A big game we could have talked about, but uh, kind of slipped through the cracks. The Milwaukee Bucks won at home against Dallas Mavericks, 132 to 125. Your final score, Giannis, 
40 points, 15 boards, and seven assists, and a clutch jumper late, outdueling Luka Doncic, who had 35 points, nine boards, and nine assists. Great, exciting game overall. Uh, then the Chicago Bulls won at home against the Miami Heat, 102 to 97, and DeMar DeRozan had a very clutch shot in that game in his own right. So, Definitely an exciting uh, night of clutch shot after clutch shot on Saturday. And then finally going to Sunday, we'll start with the Philadelphia 76ers winning in Brooklyn against the Nets, 121-99, to your final score there. Uh, the Toronto Raptors won big at home against the Detroit Pistons, 142-113. to And the Pistons really struggling lately. Again, we'll talk them in the, the power rankings. Uh, the Orlando Magic winning in Indiana against the Pacers, 128-116. to the Cleveland Cavaliers won at home against the Denver Nuggets, 121 to 109. The Sacramento Kings continuing their hot streak going into Dallas and winning 129 to 113, your final score there. How about the Boston Celtics winning in Memphis against the Grizzlies, 102 to 100? Close game, and Kristaps Porzingis with some clutch plays late to help seal the victory for the Celtics. Uh, a big shot and the big block, I believe, uh, if I'm rem- remembering correctly. Uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder continued to win in Portland against the Trailblazers, 134-91, to your final score there. And how about this for the Thunder? In that game, uh, they shot 60% from the floor, 60% from three-point range, and 100% from the free-throw line. I I got to double check this. Um, is that correct? Yeah, it is. Jeez, that's some some lights out shooting. I mean, they had like twelve or thirteen guys play in this game, and as a team, they shot sixty one percent from three, made all the free throws. And one place I saw this said that that was the first time in at least twenty five years the team had ever done that. Another place said that that was the only time that's ever happened full stop. If that's the case, even more impressive. But either way, very impressive. And the Thunder look very good. And finally, the Los Angeles Lakers won at home against the Houston Rockets in a close game. 105 to 104, your final score there. LeBron, 37 points, six boards and eight assists. And the clutch play is late, kind of willing the Lakers to the win as he's done so many times for so many teams in his illustrious career. So that takes care of a very long five-on-five drill, six men, and a quick look at our in-season tournament as well. Let's real quick take care of the news because there's really only two items to talk about that at least I could find, and then we'll move on to the power rankings after that. But the two items we have for you in key news, uh, firstly, there are reports that the uh, the New York Knicks are seeking $10 million or more in damages from the Toronto Raptors, uh, payment from the Raptors, in a lawsuit alleging the theft of thousands of confidential files. Uh, The Knicks are also reportedly arguing that NBA Commissioner Adam Silver should not arbitrate this dispute due to his close relationship with Raptors Governor Larry Tannenbaum, also because of uh, Tannenbaum's uh, role as the the head of the Board of Governors or the the chairman um, and kind of being, you could think of him almost as a boss of Adam Silver. Um, And I guess this is a story that's been underway for a few months now, and I, I haven't really heard about it. Uh, something about a Knicks employee potentially leaking some files, team-related files to the Raptors. Um, definitely something we'll we'll now have to keep a close eye on because that could be um, very intriguing, um, especially the history of those two teams. They have kind of an, a unique, uh, a tighter-knit history than you might think, but uh, we'll definitely keep you updated on that. 
And then the other item is just uh, in the awards category, uh, Jalen Brunson of the New York Knicks and De'Aaron Fox of the Sacramento Kings have been named your players of the week in the Eastern Conference and Western Conference, respectively. So congratulations to them. Both of them very deserving of that. And again, we'll have a chance to talk about them a little more with our uh, weekly MVP candidates and uh, naming of our weekly MVP. But with that, let's go ahead and shift into our power rankings for this week. Power rankings. Okay, here we go. Power rankings and uh, not quite as drastic of changes, but we still have some bigger movers in this week's power rankings to start off with the Boston Celtics. They managed to hold on to their spot. If you remember last week, the Sixers and the Timberwolves and the Mavericks had been making big leaps and the Celtics had gone two and two. And I thought about it for a while. I decided to keep the Celtics at number one at that point, just for the simple fact I wanted to see it a little bit more you know, another week or so of the Sixers and the Timberwolves playing at that level. And I'm not trying to say, oh, I called it because I think it very easily could have gone the other way. But the Celtics did happen to have a 4-0 week this week. Uh, so they lock in. They stay at that first spot. Uh, they've been so far the best team in the NBA uh, throughout the whole season. Uh, the Sixers did manage to slide up a spot uh, simply you know, they, they were a little bit more consistent than a team like the Nuggets. I actually had the Nuggets falling quite a bit. I've, I dropped the Nuggets to five, and I know that's probably way too much. And I think they'll probably jump back up pretty quickly. Um, but uh, I don't know. They've had some losses that are a little concerning, you know, and especially the, the bench question. I think, you know, one and two. Uh, their record, they have a lot of, they have a couple teams already ahead of them in the West, the Timberwolves, uh, the Kings are right in that mix and the Thunder are coming for that as well. So uh, definitely concerning for the, the Nuggets there. But uh, yeah, Sixers second, I moved the Timberwolves up one as well to third overall. And then the Bucks with a 4-0 week as well, they managed to slide up a couple spots into fourth back into the top 10. So your top 10 or your top five, I mean. So the top, my top five is Celtics, Sixers, Timberwolves, Bucks, and Nuggets. Just outside that, two teams that also went 4-0 at six. I have the Sacramento Kings up from 10 last week. And then into the top 10 for the first time this season, vaulting up eight spots, the most of anyone in this week's power rankings, we have the Oklahoma City Thunder. Last week, I had them 15th, middling, middle of the, of the pack. And, uh, you know, to start the season, the first week they were two and zero. The second week they were one and two. Following week they're three and one. So it's like you know they were they're winning more often than not. I mean it was like four and three. It was kind of close. But then suddenly they go four and zero. Was it four and three or were they? Yeah, they might have been a little more. Might have a missing game in there. But uh, you know four and zero, and I believe they're uh, eight and four, ten and four at this point. Uh, and suddenly they vaulted themselves up to a, a, the top mix in the West. Holmgren has looked pretty good, but especially Shea Alexander as a dark horse MVP candidate, all of the talent they have on that team is really starting to come into fruition. And so they vault up into seventh on this list falling down, uh, with some guys moving up. We have the Mavericks moving down to eighth and the Miami heat moving down to ninth, even though the heat went two and one, uh, they just had teams that were doing better than them. Uh, I maybe could have swapped the Heat and the Mavericks, uh, but 
I just had, you know, the Mavericks had a hotter start so far. Um, and they're doing a touch better in their conference than the Miami Heat are. So I'm going to leave it at that. And then at 10, the Cleveland Cavaliers move up one to slide back into the top 10. Outside of that, the Lakers, the Knicks, and the Suns, all four of those teams, Cavs, Lakers, Knicks, and Suns, won three games during the week. Uh, and Cavs, Lakers, Knicks only lost one. The Suns didn't lose any. They all move up in a little bit of a group, forcing the Pacers way down who fell six spots to my 14th spot. And then we have a lot of mixing of teams, the magic moving up four spots, the warriors falling seven spots out of the top 10 as well. Uh, they were nine last week and now they are 16th. So they're at the top of the bottom half of the NBA at the moment. Oh, and three, they were one and three last week. So one and six over the last two weeks. And there's just some concerns, you know, and they're losing to, you know, mainly the the Thunder and the Timberwolves over the last week. So maybe there's some skews there as far as those teams just being better teams in the West at the moment. But uh, otherwise, yeah, a little concerning. New Orleans moves up a bit. Rockets and Hawks fall. Uh, in the bottom group, Detroit stays at the bottom. They have lost 11 straight games. And they have a good amount of injuries they're dealing with. But 11 straight losses is infamous territory especially when you have Cade Cunningham back and healthy and he's had some some promise that he's shown definitely concerning the Wizards move up to second to last or sorry they moved down to second to last while the Grizzlies move up they had a win the Wizards did not uh so that was the justification there uh Hornets Trailblazers Spurs all kind of staying at the bottom I moved the Jazz up three spots on one win and two losses. But again, the two losses were close games to the Phoenix Suns. I feel like there's a little bit to merit that, you know, there's a Zach Lowe. I was reading his uh, Zach Lowe of ESPN. He was talking about the jazz, how their emphasis on, excuse me, offensive rebounding has been hindering them to an extent this season. And I think that can be true. Uh, They happen to lead the league at the moment in rebounds per game. So, that's something to their credit, but also as the team starts to kind of shake off, even though they've lost, they're a lot more competitive. The offense still needs to figure some things out, but again, Keontae George, I like that team. I felt like they could move up, especially, you know, quality of losses compared to Chicago, maybe um, one and three, one less loss as well. Some, some reasons I'm justifying moving the jazz up. But uh, going back to the Kings and the Thunder, we've talked about the Thunder a bit, but the Kings, Darren Fox there, Damana Sabonis. I wanted to touch on some stats I saw about the Kings with and without Darren Fox. They're averaging about 25.4 more points per game with Darren Fox than without. The true shooting percentage is up uh, almost 10%. or uh, Yeah, 10%. Assists are up a few more a game. Turnovers are down. Plus minus is way up um, with Fox or five and one without Fox or two and three. He was the clutch player of the year last year. And that just goes to show you what kind of impact he brings to this team. And you have Fox, you have Sabonis. And again, the depth I've talked a lot about that team. I like Sacramento gaining a lot of momentum lately and continuing to move their way up. Uh, very exciting stuff. The Suns move up one. I still hesitate with their bench. But uh, overall, I think, you know, there's some intrigue with these power rankings, you know, Kings and Thunder 
what can they do? The Bucks seem to start to be finding their groove a little bit. They have guys a little more consistently playing. Uh, Dallas and Miami falling, you know, Dallas especially, are they a team that's going to start to slide? Were they overachieving early? Um, you know, will the Timberwolves be able to keep this up? I think there's a lot of intrigue there. But overall, that is this week's power rankings. And we'll go ahead and move on. Uh, we're not doing DEFCON levels this week. That's really more of a uh, two host bounce it back and forth type of segment. So we're actually just going to jump right into the weekly MVP discussion. Weekly MVP. Okay. When it comes to weekly MVP this week, I will confess that I've already honestly decided I picked our 10 candidates once Wyatt and I were talking about it and figuring out that he wouldn't be able to do the episode tonight, um, I looked at the 10 candidates we'd picked and I realized that there were two standouts and I wanted to go for the other just for my, you know, me rooting for him as a player and rooting for his team. But I had to go with this guy, especially if, you know, even if it hurts me, especially or my fan base, um, I want to give a, a quick, you know, Props to Shakespeare Alexander, who was 4-0 and, and average 30, had a great stat line. Giannis Antetokounmpo was 3-0, 30 points, 11 boards for the week. Uh, Darren Fox was great, 32 points with six assists, two steals for the week. Uh, LeBron, 3-1, uh, 29, nearly nine assists and seven and a half boards. A lot of great candidates this week. But it really came down to, uh, we also had Jimmy Butler, Jalen Brunson, Devin Booker, Carl Anthony Towns. But it really came down to Kevin Durant and Damanis Sabonis. Sabonis was 4-0. He averaged about 28 points a game, uh, a game, 13 rebounds, 7.5 assists. That alone, very stellar. Uh, only about a block a game, a little less than a steal a game, but the percentages, 75% from the floor, 50% from three-point range, uh, 67% from the free-throw line, but he was a plus 12 in 36 plus 12 average across the game, 36 minutes a game again, four and I really wanted to pick that, but Kevin Durant three and oh clutch shots in back-to-back games against a, a feisty Utah team in Utah, a tough place to play 36 points. He led all players in, in points per game average uh, for the week, 8.3 assists, 7.7 rebounds, uh, about a block, a little less than a steal, 62% from the floor, but 63% from three-point range, and he was perfect from the free-throw line, 38 minutes a game, just a little bit more exciting, 3-0, and powering the Suns to wins, especially with them a little bit shorthanded, whereas the Kings are starting to get to full strength, and um, especially the middle game, a game winner three, you know, shades of, of MVP Durant showing you why he really is certainly one of the great players of our generation. I would say one of the great scorers of the last 20 years, last 30 years, maybe of all time. A lot of people will have issues with Durant and I understand it, but I don't know. It just felt like the right pick, especially watching it firsthand. Um, The stats and the impact you know, the whole game, especially this most recent game, the Sunday game, he gets the ball and it's either him getting an easy shot 
even if it's not that easy, every shot seems to be easy for him or he's able to help find the right man, the open man and the sun's, you know, knock down a shot. And it, it was just difficult for teams to beat him again, three and 36 points a game. I want to lock that in and we're going to go ahead and congratulate Kevin Durant for winning our week four weekly MVP for the crossover across time podcast. So Kevin, if you happen to be listening, uh, definitely stop by. I know you just left Utah, but, uh, we'd love to have you stop by and accept the award. Uh, definitely deserve it. And, uh, that kind of takes care of most of the show. We'll go ahead and give you a weekly forecast. Although this is going to be a little abbreviated. We're just giving you Tuesday and Wednesday's games. We'll forecast the remaining games through Monday through next Monday uh, on Wednesday's show, but let's go ahead and talk Tuesday and Wednesday. On Tuesday, we have five games, two of those a TNT doubleheader. First day at 7.30, the uh, Philadelphia 76ers host the Cleveland Cavaliers. That one should be very exciting. Donovan Mitchell versus Joel Embiid. And then at 10 o'clock on TNT, the Los Angeles Lakers host the Utah Jazz. And again, both of those are going to be in-season tournament matchups, so that adds extra intrigue. And the Jazz and Lakers game, um, the the Los Angeles Lakers hosting the Utah Jazz. I, I believe I already said it that exact same way, but I almost half, you know, was thinking about saying it. Uh, anyways, the Lakers and the Jazz, the winner of that game, even if the Lakers lose, they're still in better positioning to claim that, that uh, spot in the tournament based on uh, winning their group but the Jazz have a chance. So it's very intriguing to watch, and especially with it being in Los Angeles, the Jazz go into it as a as an underdog team. Uh, so that should be exciting. But your other games from the in-season tournament that night, uh, 7 o'clock, the Orlando Magic hosts the Toronto Raptors. At 7.30, the Atlanta Hawks host the Indiana Pacers. The Pacers, one of the hot teams in the, uh, in the tournament at the moment. And then at 9 o'clock, the Phoenix Suns hosting the Portland Trailblazers. The Lakers and Jazz will be watching that one with intrigue as well. So very exciting stuff. And then on Wednesday, we have 14 games, two of those in ESPN doubleheader. Firstly, at 7.30, the Boston Celtics host the Milwaukee Bucks. And then at 10 o'clock, the, the Phoenix Suns host the Golden State Warriors. Suns-Warriors will be interesting, but Bucks-Celtics, that should be a game that you absolutely pencil in You've got to check that one out. That's going to be a great game to watch. Remaining games, uh, again, 12 other games that are not national broadcasts. If you have League Pass, you'll definitely want to check some of these out or all of them if you happen to have the time and attention span to do so. Uh, Two games at 7 o'clock. Firstly, the Orlando Magic hosts the Denver Nuggets. And then also at 7, the Charlotte Hornets hosts the Washington Wizards. Three games at 7.30. Indiana Pacers hosting the Toronto Raptors the Miami Heat in Cleveland against the Cavaliers, and then the Brooklyn Nets in Atlanta against the Hawks. Uh, Four, uh, actually five games at 8 o'clock. The San Antonio Spurs hosting the LA Clippers. The Oklahoma City Thunder hosting the Chicago Bulls. The Sacramento Kings in New Orleans against the Pelicans. That one could be pretty interesting. Uh, The Philadelphia 76ers in Minnesota against the Timberwolves. That one should be very interesting. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns and Joel Embiid going at it also with Anthony Edwards and Tyrese Maxey. And then also at eight, the Houston Rockets hosting the Memphis Grizzlies. At 10 o'clock, the Portland Trailblazers host the Utah Jazz. And finally at 1030, another 
exciting game to watch for the Dallas Mavericks in Los Angeles, taking on the Lakers and LeBron James, Luca versus LeBron, AD and Kyrie, uh, LeBron and Kyrie for that matter. A lot of interesting games to watch out for on the eve of Thanksgiving. So should be very exciting to watch for. Um, and then we'll mention Thursday. There's no games on Thursday. There's some NFL games, of course, but uh, Thursday being Thanksgiving, definitely, you know, if you can enjoy that with friends and family, uh, do whatever it is you want to do to celebrate, you know, maybe you're not even that big, big a fan of Turkey. Uh, that's, that's something I was thinking about. Turkey can be fine, but it seems like a lot of the time, you know, no matter who's cooking it and how good of a cook they are, Turkey can just end up kind of dry. In my opinion, I'd almost rather have like a really good, you know, honey ham or something like that. The, that really sounds like my dream kind of Thanksgiving dinner, but that's besides the point. Um, regardless, we'll, we'll talk a little more Thanksgiving on Wednesday's episode, but for now let's go ahead and wrap things up real quick. Starting with our, this day in history fact for you. Uh, we're going back to 1997, not too far. Uh, November 20th of 1997, A.C. Green of the Dallas Mavericks set an NBA record by playing in his 907th consecutive game in a matchup against Golden State. Green broke the record of Randy Smith, who played in 906 consecutive games from 1972 to 1983. Green continued to add to the record, playing in in 1,192 games through the end of the 2000 to 2001 NBA season. Uh, at this point, seems like a record that's definitely never going to be broken. One of the great figures in NBA history, if we're going to be completely honest. A champion, um, to some a role model off the court, to others a little bit, uh, you know, antiquated, I suppose. Uh, I thought he was an all right guy, but um, <laughs> there's a, a great 30 for 30 short on that subject if you want to learn a little bit more what i'm talking about but uh you know mentioning randy smith as a side note forgotten all-star very solid shooting guard for the the buffalo braves definitely check out his highlights and his uh his career if you want to learn a little bit more about him but with that we'll go ahead and wrap things up i'll real quick plug our social media pages for you on instagram and facebook we're at crossover across time pretty straightforward to find us on twitter or x whichever you prefer we're at X over across time simply due to the character limit there uh, on all three of those pages. You can also find a link tree that we have, which will link to, well, firstly, any of the other social media pages, but we'll also link to the podcast itself. Now you're already listening. So you found us, but if you want to know all the places we're available, we're on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, and RSS.com. So definitely check us out on all those support us if you can and want to, we really appreciate it. And uh, otherwise we appreciate you tuning into the show again. We'll be back on Wednesday with, uh, with Wyatt to kind of get wrapped up and, and get you ready for Thanksgiving weekend. And uh, otherwise, thanks again for listening and uh, we'll be back with you on Wednesday. <laughs>